Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you and happy Friday. Let's begin where we left off in the book of Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Bible, chapter 17. We'll begin with verse 1. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. So Moses is telling the people what the different things are they're supposed to be doing once they enter the promised land, as it's called, or as we call it in modern times, Palestine or Israel, as they called it back then, Canaan. Um, but it's basically the area around the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, that region. Um, he's giving them the orders of what it is they're supposed to be doing. And as far as the animal sacrifices that they're supposed to be making, the animal has to be a beauty. It can't have any deformities in it. Is any offering any deformed animal, even though doesn't the Lord make all the animals, um, is an abomination, meaning an offense to the Lord. Verse 2, if there is found among you within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, a man or woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord your God in transgressing his covenant. So now, if you if someone is found to be breaking the different laws that the religious leaders have laid out here for you, here's what you do with them. Verse 3, who has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. So if you're, um, if anyone who's of some other religion saying here, or of their own people who adopts some other religion or form of worship, if you run across someone like that while you're in the promised land, verse 4, and it is told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. And if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel, so first if you find out some there's an apostate as it's called, someone who's of your faith, who falls away from your faith to adopt some other faith, some other religion, first do some research. Don't mind your own business and deal with yourself and focus on your own spiritual walk and journey. No, no, no. Focus on what your neighbor is doing and research and investigate. And if your neighbor is found out to be um, of some other faith now, fallen into some other religion now, it's considered an abomination. And if it's done, if you find out about it, how do you handle it? Verse 5, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has committed that wicked thing and you and shall stone to death that man or woman with stones so if someone falls away from the religion find out that it's true first and then they get the death penalty for leaving the religion uh, th- does that sound like the lord god almighty who was able to open up the earth and swallow people up able to send lightning from heaven and, uh, and kill people able to send fire from heaven and devour people the Lord God Almighty needs you to investigate and find out if somebody's not in the faith anymore, has left the religion, and then once you do, you're allowed to kill them, even though there's a commandment that thou shalt not kill. Uh, and and then if as Christians, it's judge not that you be not judged. But here, in the same document in the Bible, people are being told to get in your neighbor's business and see if they've offended in the religion, and if they have, drag them out into the streets and kill them. Does that sound like thou shalt not kill? It doesn't to me, but it's what it reads. So let's keep reading. Verse 7. The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. So the death penalty is what's prescribed if you fall away from the religion, and that the whole 
a nation, all the people are to take part in it. So it's to be state state sanctioned death penalty, just like America has now. Only America doesn't do it for people falling away from uh, the Jewish religion, because that's the religion at this time that's prescribing this. America doesn't do it for people falling away from Christianity either. America does it and kills innocent people a large percentage of the time with the death penalty, state sanctioned murder. Um, and considers itself a goal, a God-fearing Christian nation, though it's not abiding by any of the things that the Bible says about the death penalty at all. It's again, it's sick. I know it's rep repetitive to keep saying that, but you see, it, each way, you, almost everywhere you turn, it's sickness in the way that America pretends to be a, a God-fearing Christian nation, yet it ignores all the things it claims. Um, it follows right here in the Bible, verse eight. If a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge between degrees of guilt for bloodshed between one judgment or another or between one punishment or another matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go up to the place which the Lord your God chooses. So um, we talked in the previous reading last chapter about how Moses was originally chosen as the only one to be setting as judge over the people, but then he quickly listened to other people and decided to do something different and set up the, the what it seems that the people are dealing with now the dogma and the religion and the um and that messy system but that's what happened previously with Moses and the people and now it's the it and Moses letting him know like with the supreme court if a case is too big for the smaller courts then um, go to the higher courts. Go to the place where the Lord your God chooses. Uh, verse 9, And you shall come to the street, to the priests, excuse me, the Levites, and to the judge there in those days, and inquire of them. They shall pronounce upon you the sentence of judgment. So just like in modern times, there's a Supreme Court you can appeal all the way up to. Um, in the same way, they can go to the higher judges there back then and let them decide what how the case should be adjudicated verse 10 you shall do according to the sentence which they pronounce upon you in that place which the lord chooses and you shall be careful to do according to all that they order you so um moses is telling them whatever the judges decide that's what you have to that's the sentence you have to live with and do uh, verse 11 according to the sentence of the law in which they instruct you According to the judgment, judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left from the sentence which they pronounce upon you. So you're not supposed to be able to get any pardons or um, commutations of your sentence. Whatever the judge, judge uh, adjudicates you, how, whatever sentence the judge gives you, that's what you're supposed to carry out. And again, that's not how America rolls. And for a good reason in modern times, because like I said before, there's lots of innocent people on death row. There's lots of innocent people who have been killed through that state-sponsored murder process of the death penalty. So it's good there are things like pardons and commutations, but it's not faithful to what the Bible says. If you're going to be living by everything that the Bible says, then it's not faithful to what we just read. Whatever the judge decides, that's what you're supposed to live out. You're not supposed to be able to get in pardon for whatever it is you did and just keep rolling. Verse 12, not a man who acts presumptuously and will not heed the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. 
so you shall put away the evil from Israel. So that's a ballsy statement that you're not supposed to act presumptuously. Well, like I said before, when Moses set up this whole judges and magistrate system, that was presumptuously. He didn't consult with the Lord, quote unquote, when he um, uh, made up that system, that um, just so-called justice system. No, he listened to his father-in-law Jethro and then he chose people himself and set it all up. Uh, that's presumptuous because the Lord didn't tell you tell them to do any of that stuff. Yet the Lord also didn't rebuke any of that stuff. Instead, the Lord just let it stand and become the mess that it is uh, has become to this point in the narrative. Um, and I say mess because it's confusing, it's contradictory, and it's not consistent. So how in the world can you expect someone to faithfully follow what it says when it keeps changing? The food laws, for instance, just as an example. Um, but so Moses is saying, be faithful to whatever it is the judge then tells him to do. Um, or die. Verse 13, and all the people shall hear and fear and no longer act presumptuously. Again, that's ironic since all of this is set up presumptuously. It's not like it's the Lord God giving them these commandments or uh, this order to set up this uh, social justice system at all. It's Moses and the people. Verse 14, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are that are around me. So Moses is sort of prophesying here, letting them know, or either whoever has had a hand in adding, uh, say for instance, adding on all the dogma besides the Ten Commandments, whoever that was who helped do that may also be talking about this part to know that that's exactly what's going to happen, that the people are going to want a king. They're going to want a civil justice system like most other countries have. Um, but here, if you read it, if you were just going to read it as the way it's written, it's Moses prophesying basically that the people are going to get to that point where they're going to want a regular justice system. They're not going to want to be led by Moses and the high priests. They're going to want to be governed by a regular civil system of government. So Moses seems to be foreshadowing that that's what's going to happen. Verse 15, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. So how is that consistent with the Lord is not partial? It's not consistent. That's very partial. If you're saying it's exclusive, that's partial. If, if it's open to anyone, that's impartial. It's not open to anyone, so it's totally partial. Um, but again, even when that was said about the Lord showing no partiality, it wasn't the quote-unquote Lord saying that. It was a human, Moses, at least according to narrative, who said that. So don't be uh, confused when it's, doesn't, when it's not true. Because it's not the Lord who said it, and much less anything red letter. Jesus absolutely didn't say it. Um, but they're being told they can elect the king over them, but it has to be someone from among their own people. Verse 16, But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, You shall not return that way again. So, um they're going to ignore that part we know they're going to ignore that part just as a for instance solomon solomon had wealth beyond measure it's uh they said the wealthiest person ever is how solomon went down in history 
How's that consistent with not multiplying your horses? How's that consistent with not becoming like verse 16 says, uh, um, just like all the other nations, um, just increasing the riches of the the uh, ruling class? That's exactly what it's doing. That's exactly what's going to happen. And that's exactly what it's telling you not to do. But uh, uh, it's not the Lord saying it. So I guess they feel like it's okay to fall away from it. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So again, Solomon's an excellent example, excellent example of that not being adhered to. And yet, does Solomon get condemned for that? He eventually gets condemned for having hundreds and hundreds of wives, which, just as a side note, Contradicts what Bible thumpers in modern times say that marriage is supposed to be between one man and one woman. That's not what the Bible says. And if they're Christians or God-fearing Christian people, Bible thumpers, then at least go by what the Bible says. Solomon had hundreds of wives, side pieces, and concubines. So how is that consistent with the ish people put out today in modern times as being faithful to the word? It's not. It's not at all faithful to what the Bible says it's hypocrisy and it's wickedness, but it's what people do and they establish themselves and people follow it. Verse 17, neither, um, sorry, verse 18, also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. So Moses is saying, once you do choose a king over you, once you do elect a leader, a ruler, a president, a king that that one of the um things they're supposed to do is write a copy of the law for himself so that presumably so he'll abide by it but again that didn't happen with king david that didn't happen with solomon and in fact i can only think of one other instance where it did happen where once the temple was destroyed and then a new generation was there to help rebuild it they came across these orders that they're supposed to um, uh, have a copy of it and then they started to started to sort of adhere to it or at least try to reinstitute it but they, the people aren't faithful to it at all any more faithful to it than people in modern times are yet they'll thump a bible and say they are um, verse 19 and it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the lord is god and be careful to observe all the words of his law and these statutes so uh, that's where the wickedness steps in with the and these statutes. The law was just those Ten Commandments written in stone. It says by the finger of God. So if the finger of God can write those ten words, take 40 days to do it or at least present it. Um, why couldn't the finger of God also have put all of these things in stone for people to adhere to for all time? The Lord didn't. And yet all these things cropped up as things that people are supposed to walk by and live with even though they're not righteous, even though they're not impartial, even though they're very, very biased, and even though the rulers themselves don't even do them. Like I said, King Solomon, King David, the religious leaders from the time of Deuteronomy, even to the time of Jesus Christ in the Bible, weren't living by these things at all, but they were inflicting them on the people, just like other laws, um, regular civil laws that people have to abide by, but the ruling class can get away with. And you see that happen again and again and again and again with the political um, political um, uh, politicians. You see again and again, they escape the punishments 
that there's and the police you see the law enforcement do the same thing breaking laws that they're paid to enforce um and have very little punishment if at all like the other officers who helped murder george floyd only getting two years three years of a sentence for murder when you're paid to prevent murders and enforce the law is wickedness it's plain and simple wickedness and it's america and do you see Joe Biden or uh, or the De Department of Justice uh, pinning on hate crime charges or, or increasing the penalties as um, since they're racially motivated crimes? No, not at all. Just leave it alone. And they let them serve it concurrently instead of consecutively so that the punishment is even shorter. It's really, really disgusting. Verse 20 that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So Moses is saying when the king comes up, he's supposed to have a copy of that law for himself so that he can hear it, read it, and stick to it and not fall away from it so that he'll be blessed, him and his children, for following it and again that's not what happened at all as we keep reading as if god willing we get to keep reading the development of the stories in the old testament you'll see the people didn't do that at all they didn't stick with it at all any more than they stick with it in modern times they'll use it as a weapon to get you to stick with it but they're exempt from it altogether and don't see anything wrong with it it's not healthy it's not godly it's wickedness but it's also the end of this chapter, so that's where we'll, where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me. God bless you for joining me, and I hope you'll join me again for The Naked Truth. Stay safe. I love you, and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.